The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Athletico Physical Therapy and CDW. Welcome in, everybody, and brought to you by IGS Energy, another edition of Bears All Access with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. Good to have you alongside our producer tonight, Julio Roseas, and we've got Jordan Treadup and Dan Barilli also overseeing the operation. Tom Thayer, good evening, buddy. Over the next hour, we're going to break down Sunday's home opener against the Giants. Special guests lined up, including Bob Papa, the voice of the Giants, coming up at 6:10, 6:30. Got a couple of segments with Juice. Javon Wims with a touchdown and his only catch of the day on Sunday in the win over Detroit. That'll be at the bottom of the hour. Uh, and then we're going to hear a little Jimmy Graham, Tom, in an interview I did with him in advance of uh, Bears game day live. They'll hear it on Fox on Sunday morning at 1030 with you and I and Lou Canellis. First of all, health check, Tom. Uh, Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack today, both limited ankle, knee respectively, but that's two days in a row, at least on the field, getting some work in for Robert Quinn. Does that give you optimism for Sunday against the Giants? Well, I mean, you kind of look at the injury report from last week. Khalil Mack was on the injury report as well with some type of ankle issue, but he came out and played every snap that they needed of him. But I'm not sure about Robert Quinn. I have high hopes for him because I know that he's a difference maker to this defense. He can provide the oomph that I think teams, without knowing what he was going to provide, were preparing for a defense that included him. So now it's – uh. Mingo's got to come up and play as hard, and I think the rest of the supporting cast to Khalil Mack has to play equally as hard. Heard from the coordinators as we do each and every Thursday. Chuck Pagano, pretty direct about what happened in the run defense. It was a big day for Adrian Peterson. The Bears did get the win. They made the play to win the game. But given how the Lions ran it, Tom, he's fully expecting the Giants and Saquon Barkley to try to do the same. It's a copycat league. We're going to see the same thing. we got a, a great running back coming to town, and after last week, you know they're going to try to run the ball right at us, whether it's between the tackles, get them on the edge, throwing the ball in the pass game, screens, this, that, and the other. So we've got our hands full. Yes, they do in both run and pass because Barkley is equally as explosive in the passing game and as he showed that on Monday night against the Steelers. But when you watch that tape of that Steeler game, what is it the Steelers were doing? they got a great defense. They are as good as any defense in the league. Really aggressive front, but 15 carries and six yards with a long of seven. You got to go back to 98 with a back 15 carries having only that many yards. That was Kareem Abdul Jabbar for the Miami Dolphins against, I believe, the Saints or Broncos. Can't remember. They almost made each play one-dimensional. They didn't give um, a Barkley an escape route. And that's the unique thing about him. He is so creative on his feet that if someone over-pursues a play, he'll take advantage of that. What Pittsburgh did is they played very disciplined within their lanes. And so they never gave a big void for him to capitalize on. And, you know, Chuck Pagano today when he was talking in front of the media, he never singled out one element of his defense. He talked about a group effort. And I think that was precise because everybody had a hand in allowing Adrian Peterson to gain some big yards. Whether it should have been better effort on the first level, a couple of issues where he got to the second level with a full head of steam and he's a difficult guy to bring down. So now 
there's a body of work that every single team in the NFL can watch, pay attention to, and prepare for. And so I think the Bears have to upgrade their pressure on the line of scrimmage, but that's the case each and every week. What did you see? Because there were not a lot of missed tackles by the Bears. Was it just simply uh, the blocking? They got these guys. They were blocked for Adrian Yeah, Peterson. you know, they were blocked. And sometimes just because of the speed of the game that you're trying to um, get used to after about 15 days of practice, that it's completely different monster than anything you faced in practice. Now, if you're going to disengage from a block in nine on seven period in practice, it's completely different than disengaging in a live block. It's different than getting away from bodies that are diving at your knees and trying to uh, trying to have cut blocks to make you very insecure. So, again, it's it's a it's definitely a drastic improvement that I think that you're going to see these teams go through. We're not talking talking about just trying to get through the preseason healthy and then into the regular season. It's drastic improvement from week one. And it was Bill Lazor that said high school coaches improve week to week. College coaches improve from one half to the next. And professional coaches improve each series. And so I think that's the case going forward, even on defense. I know that the, there were a lot of questions about Danny Trevathan's performance, and certainly at the end of the game that, that could have went very differently with the Georgia rookie if he didn't drop that pass on his assignment covering a back out of the backfield. But Chuck was very, uh, as you pointed out, he, he would not go down that road because it was a complete defensive effort that led to a 400-plus yard day for the Detroit Lions. It was, but, you know, that play specifically was just reaction. When you look at the route of the running back, he kind of looked like he was going to undercut the route at the first down marker. But as soon as you thought he was going to undercut, he took it upfield of the pylon. And, you know, I really think that this kid from Detroit's being treated unfairly. For anybody to think that that was an easy play to make while you're backing into the end zone with bodies flashing in front of you, and then you have a high-velocity pass from Matthew Stafford, it wasn't just a foregone conclusion that he was going to catch it. It was an unfortunate drop by the young kid, and the Bears benefited because well, of it. As I always say, I'm a Bears fan. Meet me. I'm 100%. <laughs> I agree 100%. I'm a Bears fan. But when you look at Danny Trevathan specifically, you know, he's going to understand how the route's going to be run, how he has to move his feet. I guarantee you every single route run by a backer or tight end in the Giants game, Danny Trevathan has studied it fivefold. Tom, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Ready? Happy yep. 100th birthday. Pretty neat. 100 years. Start off with that. I think it's, uh, it's crazy to think of uh, – how, you know, where we're at as an organization to be a special part of that is, is neat, you know, here with uh, with Coach Hallis and, and what he's done here. It's special, pretty neat. Yeah, it is, and it's the 100th birthday and the anniversary of the National Football League, of which the Bears are are prominent and the first. And tonight the Bears and, uh, excuse me, Browns and Bengals will play in Cleveland to, to celebrate that from an NFL perspective, even though we even had the 100th celebration a summer ago. But from what I understand, any player who played a snap in the National Football League is going to get some sort of gift from the National Football League to honor 100 years. So, right. so check your mail, Tom. <laughs> hey, I, I look forward to it, and I'm proud to have been a part of it. I was born here in 1961, and I've been a Bears fan my whole life. So it's a, it's a long relationship that I've had with the Bears, and it, it'll continue on forever. Right. It, it takes on special significance when you talk about George Hallis and the birth of the Chicago Bears and the birth of the National Football League on this day. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by the play-by-play voice of the New York Giants, Bob Papa, here on Bears All Access. It's brought to you by IGS Energy with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. Back in a minute on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. 
Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. With Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, here at Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score, this week's edition of Bears All Access. Bears and Giants open up the home slate at Soldier Field. No fans, of course, but Tom and I will be there. And we're welcomed by one of the great play-by-play voices in the National Football League. Is this your 26th anniversary season? Voice of the Giants, Bob Papa, kind enough to take some time out tonight with us from New York. Is this 26? Uh, yeah, this is 26 full-time. Been with the team since 88. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's an investment right there, my brother. That's an investment. Yeah. But, boy, no year's going to be like this one. Odd. Uh, you know, when Darius Slayton scored on a deep post against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday night, you're expecting to hear these tremendous roars, and it was dead silent. Even when the, the Steelers always travel well, and, you know, there would have been a big bunch of Steeler fans in the building, and the teams came running out, and it felt like you were watching a scrimmage. And you are not coming to Chicago, is that correct? And how, how, how are you prepared for that as we all discuss it amongst each other, so to speak, the other 30 uh, play-by-play guys? I'm sure you've talked to some, and maybe you've done this before, not, just not football. Yeah, I mean, I got I had to cancel my reservation to Gibson's, uh, so that, that's a bummer. Uh, yeah, this is this is weird, man. Not coming to the Windy City, perfect time of year to be there. Um, it's just a bummer because you, you you miss so much, right? You can't go on the field before the game. You can't catch up with people that you know that are coaches on other teams and players that are on other teams. You get that last little bit of information on the opponent, and and none of that exists now. I mean, we're going to be calling it from the Giants' practice facility. We're going to get a feed from the network, and then uh, we're going to get another feed to help the analyst out a little bit. But it's really not the way to go. I've done this before on many occasions for Olympic-style sports, whether it was um, bobsled, cross-country skiing, biathlon, rowing, uh, some of these other sports, water polo, but it's it's not conducive for football. Hey, Bob, uh, during the course of my career playing for Mike Ditka, he did the one-time start practice over because we weren't carrying enough enthusiasm into it, and I saw Joe Judge did it a couple weeks ago in training camp. Can you give us a little introduction to Joe Judge that not a lot of us know a lot about? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, he's young. He's 38. Um, so he gets it, so to speak, air quotes there. But he comes from an old school. I mean, look at his pet, look at where he comes from. He learned under Belichick, and prior to that, he uh, learned under Nick Saban. Uh, and he's got a way of doing things. And it really feels like in Giants land, it's a return to the early days of Coughlin. It's got that feel of Parcells. Um, it's just a certain style he brings. I mean, Look, when guys make mistakes, he makes them run laps during training camp. And he makes the position coaches of that group run with him because he says that you didn't teach him well enough if they're making these mistakes. And, uh, you know, restarting practice, look, that's an old trick. Um, it, it, you know, a lot of guys have used it, and he just wanted to get their attention. And even though they lost the other night, uh, talking to fans and, more importantly, talking to people – that are analysts that I respect around the NFL, they see a noticeable difference in the Giants. They're just they're better coached. They had a much better plan going into the game. I thought Jason Garrett called a great game. 
their defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, had a good, solid plan to go against the Pittsburgh team. They were just punching up in class. Pittsburgh's just better than them. Um, and sometimes you got to resolve yourself to that. But what, what I expect to see from the Giants this year is for them to win games in their weight class. Last year, Pat Shermer, other than beating the Red uh, Washington, the football Washington team, twice, um, you know, they didn't pick anybody off. And, and, and they lost too many games against the same level kind of opponent. Just think of the game last year in Chicago. That was, that was a winnable game. It's not like one team was that much better than the other. The Giants found a way to lose every one of those games. The Bears game, the Jets game, the Cardinals game. Uh, this coaching staff will win a couple of those. When you look at the asset in which Saquon Barkley is, going forward, is it the fact that the offensive line has to play better, or is there something else that needs to be done within the offense that opens up more opportunities for Saquon? So I'm going to make two points, Tom. Uh, I was talking to Phil Sims yesterday, and he had just finished watching the Giants, uh, you know, coaches take, studying them for inside the NFL and CBS. And he actually thought that the offensive line played better than the outside observer thinks. In fact, he was floored by how well the rookie left tackle Andrew Thomas played. Uh, really want to, I mean, look, they had some breakdowns. Nick Gates was starting his first game ever at center. Uh, they had some communication issues. The bigger problem that they have with their run game right now is the tight ends. The tight ends were a lot of no-hitters, a lot of no-show plays. You know, you're going three tight ends. You know, you're, you're outnumbering them. You're outflanking them. And if you choose to not block anybody, well, that's on you. So I think some of their running game issues uh, are tied more into the tight end sometimes than uh, they get – you know, the offensive line gets all the blame, but the tight ends have to do a much better job. Evan Ingram was awful the other night, and he can't be awful for them to be good. Yeah, and I've been waiting to see exactly where he'd wind up because you got a, t- a tight end at, what, 240, runs a 4-2, uh, great, great speed explosion. That's a dangerous weapon in that mix. We're talking about Papa Voice of the New York Giants with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak here on Bears All Access, brought to you by GS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. So you take his explosion, Saquon's dual threat ability, and a Daniel Jones second-year improvement where he really stood in the pocket in that game against the Steelers, took the rush, and still managed to fire that ball down the field. If not for that 19-play drive ending and an interception, you know, who knows what the outcome might have been. Where is his bounce coming from? What is his next step for Daniel? Well, you know, again, talking to Phil yesterday, um, you know, and I respect his opinion, he was over the moon about watching Daniel Jones against that Steelers defense and what he was able to do moving in the pocket, the ball placement, uh, the accuracy, the arm strength. He's like, you know, these are things a lot of us didn't see of him coming out of college, but we see it right now. It's pretty awesome. Um, Look, I think Daniel Jones has a tremendous upside. Uh, Yeah, he made a really dumb play the other night. We're not not kidding anybody with that. But um, they got to get this run game going. And, you know, I think, and Tom, maybe you can comment on this, you know, Saquon had his best season two years ago. Um, and I don't think you can discount having Eli Manning at quarterback two years ago because Eli was a master of run protection, run fit, 
calling out protections and changing runs, changing plays at the line. Because a play could come in and the defense could have you outflanked. Eli picked it up right away and would change direction of the run or change the protection, change the blocking scheme. And Daniel Jones is still learning on the job. And I think Barkley's feeling some of the residual effects of that. Well, you know, one of the things is a nice challenge because Matt Nagy said that he wants Mitchell Trubisky to master coverages. And that's the similarity that any young quarterback goes through. David Cutcliffe, his college coach, is, you know, he's an architect of great quarterbacks in the NFL. And I just think that's some of the growing pains that these young guys go through because they have such an opportunity to manipulate what type of talent they have on the field. Yeah, and I think um, we're seeing the maturation of Jones that way. Uh, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, you saw him much more secure with the ball. He's been coached really well. Remember, he had Eli in his ear all the last year, too, in a good way, not a bad way. Um, and, you know, that was, you know, he was the starting quarterback for 12 games, but he had a two-time Super Bowl MVP helping him out every step of the way because, remember, Eli's known Daniel Jones since he was a kid, Jones went to the Manning family passing camp. So they had a relationship. So there was nothing contentious. And I think, I think it's just baptismal by fire. It was his 13th start. I mean, he's, he's done some things that, you know, uh, he did something last year that quarterbacks have ever done, you know, have, you know, uh, multiple games of 300 more yards passing and four or more touchdowns with no interceptions. And he's thrown a touchdown in 13 straight games that he started. Only three other guys have done that to start their career since 1970. So uh, there's a lot there. I mean, I, look, the Giants, in my opinion, are one more draft and one more year of free agency away from being a real force in the NFC. They're not there yet. Bob Papa, our guest here on Bears All Access. Final question before we let you go, because you you mentioned the, the lineage of, of Judge and where he's been touched by, who he's been touched by, what the organization has seen from the Parcells era, uh, his influence at Belichick. It's probably no shock to people. I just saw this today that the Giants have the most 300-plus-pound players in the league at 15 here in 2020 because Belichick likes big guys. Parcells says the big man's game. Is that how Joe thinks? And is that fit the, the franchises, you know, much like, you know, the Bears? It's, it's a defensive city. It's a defensive town. It's a, 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 a team of great running backs and middle linebackers. Is, the, is this a better fit for the Giants' personality and ownership? Yeah, and, you know, let's not forget, too, Dave Gettleman uh, was the director of pro personnel for the Giants starting in 1999. And he helped with free agency. His decisions on free agency or recommendations got that 2000 Giants team to the Super Bowl. And then he was the director of pro personnel, you know, in building that 07 team and that 2011 team along with Jerry Reese. And it goes back to the late, great George Young, uh, who was the longtime general manager of the Giants. And it goes back to the same adage, you know, the game no matter how much window dressing it's changed, and no matter how many new schemes have come in and fast break this, fast break that, if you can't win at the point of attack, you can't win. And that means controlling the offensive and defensive lines. So big is definitely the order of the day. Bob, wish we could see you here in Chicago, but I'll have to pick you up on the rebound, buddy. Good luck on your right, broadcast. Thanks, have Bob. fun, and thanks for taking the time. 
You got Bob, it, guys. Stay safe. Bob Pop, a voice of the New York Giants here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, when we come back, we'll hear a little Jimmy Graham as the Bears get ready to meet the Giants. And coming up at the bottom of the hour, Javon Wims will join the program for a couple of segments. We're brought to you by IGS Energy here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by CDW. People who get it, learn more at CDW.com. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer. Uh, good insight, Tom, from Bob Papa. Been there a long time, so he knows where, all, as, as Matt Nagy likes it, you know, he's, he knows where all the bones are buried. <laughs> yes, he does. He's been a part of that organization for a long time. Yeah, and then Matt Nagy with very good uh, things to say about Joe Judge and said that they're playing fast, so the Bears have to play fast Sunday. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could see his attitude is is involved in this team he wants them to play fast wants them to play hard but it's good all how it's all going to be about how they rebound in week two okay so jimmy graham the bears uh tight end was kind enough to sit down with me in advance of bears uh game day live that we will be airing on fox at 10 30 live from soldier field this is a snippet of that interview and uh produced by the bears and it should be an interesting uh listen because uh, this guy's got a lot to him a lot of background, a lot of history, and a lot of great insight. Obviously, an honor to be here and 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 to be in the city. Um, I used to spend my off days um, in this city uh, over the last two years, so I'm very familiar. And um, you know, I'm just I'm just proud to be a Bear and looking forward to you know the opportunity to make a run. And let's be clear for those who may not know about your history: you are a pilot and you have a love of airplanes. What drew you to Chicago on those days off? The beautiful city on the water. I mean, uh, flying along Lake Michigan, and uh, I'd land down there at Midway, and and you know I was off into the city uh, to get a nice bite to eat. So, Jimmy, tell me about playing catch with Bernie Kosar and what that moment meant to you in your life. You've definitely done your homework. Um, you know, Bernie Kosar. Uh, I guess he was the beginning of kind of this this road. You know, through my connections at the U, uh, he really just sat down and had a conversation with me. Uh, with maybe, I think it was about an hour just playing catch and just talking. Literally, you know, he greased up the arm and, uh, you know, got warm. And we just kind of sat there and talked. And, you know, he shared his experiences in life. I mean, not only football, but life. You know, the things he had been through as a player and things he had experienced. And, you know, what he wished he could do differently and and what he wished um, that he would have maybe enjoyed more. And then um, after about an hour... Um, you know, he told me, he said, hey, uh, you could be a playmaker in the NFL. And, uh, you know, obviously I thought he was crazy. <laughs> um, you know, he had seen me play basketball, and I was beyond aggressive on the court. You know, I definitely had probably more fouls uh, than anything else, than any other stat line there was. You know, I mean, I was an aggressive kid who lifted on game day, you know. So, um, you know, that was kind of my mentality. And uh, Bernie saw that, and, and you know, he, he kind of whispered those in my ear, and, I mean, everything's history since then. In one year at Miami playing football, you get drafted by the Saints. Ryan Pace was there, obviously, and Sean Payton. And, and in the very next year, you become a monster on the field. It's, it's a rare story. Yes, basketball players make the transition, but why do you think it was such an instant success for you and you just kept building and building and building to be one of the best tight ends in NFL history and you will be in the conversation for the Hall of Fame. I think not only the the belief that you know my quarterback had in me, the coaches that um, 
that were coaching me, you know, they believed and told me that I was going to be great. Um, you know, and, and, you know, for a kid, you know, who had been through a lot in his life, um, sometimes that's all it takes, you know, is, is uh, people believing in you. And so, you know, I took that and, and um, I took the fire that I have in my heart. And, you know, I've given everything to this game at every opportunity to be as good as I can possibly be, you know, to, to not let this opportunity pass me by. You know, I've been doing that for 11 years now. I'm going to continue to do that until the moment I leave this game. I take it that serious. I, I mean, I really do. Um, I play with everything that I have. You know, the only thing I'm missing is some big shiny jewelry. So uh, that's, my, that's my main focus, and I think that's, that's the only thing that I need to do left. That's Jimmy Graham again. More on the Bears game day live show on Fox at 1030 Sunday morning. You'll also hear some in Joniak's Journal on our broadcast on WBBM during the pregame show, hour number two. Tom, it is it is somewhat a remarkable story that I love the Bernie Kosar aspect of it because he knew friends of his, watched him play basketball. I said, hey, I just want to talk to him. He starts throwing the ball around and says, you got the best hands I've ever seen. And talked him into playing football for one year at Miami, and then two years later he's an all-pro. Yeah, but you're not going to recommend football to every basketball player that you meet along the way because you see some guys that are skinny as a rail. When you look at Jimmy Graham, even at this stage of his career, you can see that he is dedicated to the weight room. He is dedicated to conditioning. If you didn't know his age, you wouldn't know his age by his appearance. So Jimmy Graham has done a lot to build his own career. He's also the guy that I think is his arrow will be trending up within these next couple weeks. When you look at the performance last week, there was some mistimed jumps by Jimmy Graham. So I think the better that Mitchell Trubisky gets to know Jimmy Graham and vice versa, I think he is a weapon that you can dedicate size mismatches to and throw him the ball as often as you need to. Yeah, seven targets, three catches in the opener. Uh, he had that touchdown, though, and that's a big one. Not not a gimme, but for him in his career. It, what's that? You I know, said, he could have had two. The one yeah, is, yeah. His knee hit down. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, though, in, in, his, you know, in the career of, of a player like this, what he was known for is his red zone dominance. I mean, you, you've heard players on his own team that have faced him, you know, now 61 red zone touchdown catches in his career. So quite the accomplishment. That That is a, 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 a terrific. And because of his size and his basketball ability, and he is also long, he has long arms, he's a leaper, all that in adds up to a great weapon inside the red zone. You know, if you look at every safety and outside linebacker in the entirety of the NFL, you're not going to find any six, seven cover guys. So when you talk about Jimmy Graham and his frame and his reach and everything, He's just a target that if he gets in a favorable position, quarterbacks won't shy away from him. That's Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. Coming up shortly, Javon Wims, the Bears veteran wide receiver who joined the program. 21 games in his career, gets a a touchdown in the opener to help knock out the Detroit Lions. Uh, Some of the things we'll also be hearing tonight, we'll hear from Bill Lazor about the run game and just uh, how that looked. There's a lot of conversation about that, Tommy. And Tariq Cohen had some really good things to say today about the run game success and how it's boosting overall the offense's confidence. Uh, I feel like it builds confidence within, you know, the offense, the play calling, and also, you know, the individual groups like the O-line and the running backs. Uh, Just having those, you know, those 16-yard runs, 10-plus-yard runs, and almost having like a six-yard average in a rushing game, you know, it makes the play caller comfortable and calling anything, calling a run on first, second, or third down. And it just ha- gives us the, give us the ability to, you know, 
be mysterious in the play calling and not be one-dimensional. Yeah. I agree 100%. You got to be mysterious. You got to be deceptive. And then when these teams start jumping to stop the run game, it's going to give Mitch some over the top opportunities. You know, on first down, Mitch was uh, a big benefactor of that as well because they gained over five yards on first down of the run game. He had two incompletions, 100 and something yards, 158 quarterback rating on first down throwing the ball. Now they got to fix third down and take advantage of those key situations, those clutch moments. Clean that up. They were 2 of 11. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's a point of emphasis. Point of emphasis going into the game was making sure they had a solid run game to help the rest of the performance. So now week two, what is the point of emphasis? Let's get this third down issue shored up and uh, we'll be a better offense for it. All right. When we come back, hope to have Javon Wims back with us as the Bears get ready to meet the New York Giants. We're brought to you by IGS Energy. For Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak. With Julio Rosseo, our producer, we thank you for joining us tonight. Back in a minute here on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Tide Cleaners is now offering new Tide Complete Care. This exclusive cleaning formula can only be found at Tide Cleaners. Visit TideCleaners.com to learn more today. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, this is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. We'll be at Soldier Field on Sunday for the regular season home opener. 9 a.m. pregame, noon kickoff with Ron, Jim, and Jay as well. Tom, uh, as you watch tape and break down the Giants' offensive line after watching it uh, live on Monday night, then get the tape, uh, Andrew Thomas, the left tackle. We heard from Bob Papa earlier tonight. They thought uh, in his conversation with Phil Sims as they looked at it that the kid uh, did remarkably well for making his first NFL start. He's fixed 6'5", plus 314 with quick feet and 26 game starts in college at left tackle for the Georgia Bulldogs. What would you see? You know, there's guys throughout the history of the NFL, say an Anthony Munoz, there's a Jimbo Covert. There's guys that are natural left tackles, Jeff. And when they have that type of talent, that type of balance, that type of that innate ability to be strong at the point of attack or in their pass protection responsibilities, you can see it immediately, and that's why they become a commodity. There's not a lot of guys like that. And then when you add his size and just it, his, the power that he has – and his growth and his potential. I mean, he's got he's got the chance to be a left tackle of of an organization of a decade or, or however you want to look at his lifespan. But it's really unique when you see these guys that they're plug and play players. Not a lot of them, but this young man is one of the individuals the Giants did a nice job evaluating. Yeah, same with their guard a couple years ago, uh, Will Hernandez, the yes. left guard. Uh, he's a he's a nasty, powerful guy inside. Uh, Gates is the center that they had at tackle when we saw him last year. So that was his first NFL start at center. Zeitler's a veteran. You count on him. And Cam Fleming has been a swing tackle last year with Dallas. He had three starts at the left tackle position. Now he's a starting right tackle. You know, one thing about left tackle is they can isolate you. They can put you in space. And they can do a lot of creative things against you with line stunts. And they have to make you adjust to the with the inside guy. But when you look at Will Hernandez and the rest of the guys on the inside, Jeff, you got a security blanket to your right and to your left. So you're not responsible for an enormous amount of space. 
space and it's a little bit harder to isolate you unless they have a guy like Akeem Hicks or Reggie White that they can line up over the top of your head and just overpower you no matter where they want to line up. But, yeah, that's one of the unique things about offensive tackles is they can pull you out. But, again, we mentioned with the no crowd noise how beneficial it is to that one position specifically that you can always hear the quarterback's cadence. Yeah, Hicks, by the way, uh, did not practice today because of an illness, so hopefully he'll be ready to go. Had the sack, the only one for the Bears, and the win over the Lions on Sunday. So as you had time to think about this now, with the no crowd, being at Ford Field live and, and in color and seeing what was going on there with the sound and whatnot. Again, again, unless you take your headset off, we're hearing sound pumped into our headset. What it is like on the field, we've heard varying degrees of opinions. But it, you know, in a word, it felt weird for the players and coaches. How does it impact and who does it benefit Sunday at Soldier Field with no crowd, if anybody's benefiting? Well, the crowd response can affect the decision of an official, whether it's an interference call or a fumble or whatever you, whatever the, the officials take away from it. It's non-deniable because the crowd has that type of impact. But when you're at home and you have a series where you go three and out or you have a play that really the crowd doesn't, agree with there is no reaction from the crowd whether it's positive or negative so you're not going to have the boo birds and you're not going to have the cheering fest so it's about the discipline inside the, the the 30s because that's where the players line up even chuck pagano referred to it today in his press conference how at one time he could hear the players trying to make crowd noise on the field to affect the detroit it's it's unlikely it's going to happen but it's more the psychological aspects where you're not walking off the field with your head hanging low because the crowd is reacting to something they're not satisfied with. And how about at the line of scrimmage? Who wins on Sunday with that in mind? Who benefits? I shouldn't say who wins. Who benefits? The offensive line or the defensive line? Offensive line because every yeah. time you break the huddle, you, you, got, only you got... know the snap count. Right, because yeah. you know the snap count, and that's one of the biggest weapons across the board in, in any type of uh, organized football play because it's like a boxer. If, if I know I'm going to punch you in the face before you you know it's coming, <laughs> I'm going to punch you in the what face. What are you trying to say, Tom? You, well, you, just, you ready to ball up? That's the mentality that these offensive linemen have to have. Juan Castillo's been talking about it all training camp, physical and finish. And if you can start the physical part of it before the D-line, you can finish. Felt the Bears' offensive line was very good on Sunday. What would you think? You know, the guy that I'm really impressed with is Jermaine Fetty. Because I'll tell you this, from the very first practice that I saw him out there and he was going against Akeem Hicks, you know, he he looked like he was thinking out there. When I go back and I look at Big Jermaine Fetty, he was more organized with Cody on the inside, with Bobby Massey to his right. You finally see that this 352-pounder is a big, powerful man with good feet. So I was really encouraged by what, what I saw out of everybody, but Jermaine I was impressed with the most. Sounds good. Going up against a defensive front for the New York Giants that includes some big guys up front, Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Dexter Lawrence, a former first-round pick in 17 out of Clemson. A seventh-round pick of the Chicago Bears in 2018 in a draft class that we all have high expectations for and all making plays right now is Javon Wims. Juice is joining the program here on Bears All Access. Good evening, Javon. How you doing? Congratulations on the win and uh, grabbing a, an important touchdown catch in the fourth quarter. Good evening, good evening. Thank you for having me. Yeah, all good. Uh, you know, you had one of the better camps out, out of all the players that we were looking at, and we could 
get a handful of guys that uh, really rise, and, and you were one of them. Do you think you're poised to have a breakout season? Um, you know, I think I'm like you know to piggyback off what you said. I think I had a, you know, a great camp, and it led to um, just a lot of work I put in the off season, and it, you know it led to you know just a lot of you know minor but big improvements in my game, and you know I think you know with you know, my main focus is making the most out of every opportunity I get. So out of every opportunity I get, I'm trying to just capitalize on it. That way I get more opportunities in the future. That way I get a larger role. So I think, you know, with in due time, with, you know, the right amount of opportunities, I, I can, you know, so I, I got to have a good role in this team. Hey, Javon, two questions here. What did you do with the football after you caught the touchdown? And did you want to spike it? Because I watched you kind of take it to the sideline and keep a hold of it. So what was your thinking in the moment of catching that touchdown? Um, so it was my <laughs> – I forgot. It was my first touchdown pass of my career. It was my second one. So I spun it. I wanted to spike it, but I spun it, you know, obviously we were down. So, you know, I didn't want to get too high you know, be too low about it, you know, just have, just, you know, just be neutral in between. I'm happy I scored and happy, you know, we put our points on the board, but I just spun it and, you know, dapped up my teammates. Hey, Javon, so going back, you know, the last three camps, Jeff and I have been at every single practice, and from your rookie year to this year, we've seen you make big plays throughout training camp. And like Jeff said, is this your breakout season? However, you know, I thought that Nick Foles really helped you in training camp. He gave you an opportunity to make big plays in camp. He never shied away from you, whether you were going down the sideline or across the middle. So can you talk a little bit about just that relationship and how – that type of quarterback, you guys had good quarterbacks no matter who you were playing with, but Nick himself, how did he help you develop this year? Um, well, just Nick, he's been around. And, you know, me personally, you know, through my personal journey, I've always had quarterbacks to where, you know, I'm either older than them in football years or older than, than them in age, or we're the same age. And, you know, obviously I can learn a lot from Mitch because, you know, he's been um, in the NFL a year longer than I have, but you know, just to have that older, older veteran presence like Nick, you know, he's been, he's played with the great receivers and, you know, receivers specifically that, you know, he loved to compare me to is, uh, you know, his guy Alshon that he played with. And, you know, just him trusting me, you know, we having a solid relationship. You know, he definitely helped me uh, have a great count. You know, you've done Zoom meetings with the media. Javon Wims, our guest here on Bears All Access, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. You said minor improvements to your game, but you definitely, in my opinion, in camp and on the field on Sunday, you look faster. Is it because of the whole traditional cliche, which is not really a cliche, it's a reality, is that you're not thinking as much, you're just playing and running, and you're able to cut it loose and play fast? Uh, it's some of that, and it's, I think it's a little bit of that, and it's, you know, it's definitely more so of uh, it's a mental aspect. Uh, you know, so much thinking that goes on in football, and a lot of people think, you just line up the easiest play, and it, but there's a lot of X and O's, and there's a lot of things that whatever the it's like chess, whatever the defense do, you know we have to uh, counter that. So it's a lot of things that go on. But once I'm just, I'm so fully, you know, invested in the playbook, and I'm so fully just, you know, mentally, uh, you know, I have so much. Just this year, my swagger is different, and you know, I've had, to, you know, and I realized that I had to cut back diet. That way, I could play faster. You know, I'm I'm a lot leaner, I'm a lot lighter, and you know, I'm not thinking as much. So definitely confidence and, you know, just being in my, uh, my playbook helps with all that. 
It is your third year, and that's usually a time when this all comes together. You, you learn a lot about what it means to be a pro, but, you know, the influence of your receivers coach, Mike Furry, who played the game and probably could still play a little bit given, <laughs> given how he looks. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Well, he was a safety too, but, you know, did he spark the fire that say, hey, listen, you know, I believe in you, so go, on, go ahead and do it. Do these little things that make a big difference. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, it, it's it's so it's so incredible to you know to have a coach that you know truly believe in you and that wants it as bad as you want it. Sometimes he may even want it more than you know yourself. And you know, that's Coach Fur. He's definitely a mo- motivator. He definitely stays on me every day of at practice. Literally every day. You know, he's talking to me every meeting, and you know, he he calls me all at least once or twice a week. You know, to, to stay on top of me about everything. So he he definitely see you know great potential in my abilities and he definitely wanted to make sure I could uh reach those with that potential. You know, Jim Javon, being six four, when you're watching your teammates, can you watch a guy like Anthony Miller or Darnell Mooney or Tariq Cohen and the way they run their routes? Or do you pay more attention to A Rob, Cordero Patterson, even Ted Ginn Jr. and how they run routes? Or or is it kinda like everybody can watch everybody how they run them? Well, you know, Everybody can watch everybody, but me, it's, you know, you got to also be realistic. I never, you know, I never be as quick as Anthony Miller. You know, he's 5'11", five, 5'10", five, you know, 100-something pounds, and, you know, his speed is quick as light. And the same thing with Tariq. You know, those guys, their quickness is unmatchable. You know, but it's just being realistic with myself. Um, my physical abilities match more of Allen Robinson. It match more of a bigger receiver. So I kind of pay attention to those guys. But I also have a, you know, athleticism that's kind of unmatched as well. Because although I'm six four, I move around like I'm six foot, and you know, it's definitely uh, I use that to my advantage. I'm learning to use that to my advantage now uh, in my third year. Hey Javon, will you stick with us through a commercial break and then I'll wrap it up here in a few minutes? Absolutely. All right, Javon Wims for one more segment coming back. As we break down Bears and Giants, we'll ask him about what he sees in the Giants Sunday at Soldier Field with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Hey, Bears fans, it's important to stay connected now more than ever. And at Motorola, we love making that possible. With a new Razor, you can enjoy staying connected a little bit more. It's a phone. It's an accessory. It's an icon reinvented. Hello, Moto. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Javon Wims, kind enough to join us for one more segment before we hand it off to Thursday Night Football. Browns entertain the Bengals tonight on the 100th birthday. Hey, happy birthday, Javon. I mean, to say you played 100 years of football, that's a big deal. That is. That's amazing. Yeah, Matt Nagy uh, said it's uh, kind of cool. A uh, bunch of Georgia Bulldogs on the field on Sunday, my friend. Uh, you got a bunch on the Bears, of course, uh, with Roquan and yourself and Riley Ridley and John Jenkins, but you got uh, Lorenzo Carter over there and Andrew Thomas. A lot of Georgia Bulldog love on Sunday that's at Soldier amazing. Field. What are, you, what are you expecting on Sunday? Oh, uh, well, you know, go out there. Definitely want to compete against those guys. And, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, you know, the home team can get a victory. You know, I'm banking on it. Um, you know, and I expect, you know, those Georgia guys, like you said, my former, my former teammates to go out there. You know, and just, just, you know, I'd be happy to see those guys as well. Hey, Javon, when you're on the sidelines waiting to go into a game, what segment do you what do you watch the wide receivers, the DBs, or the quarterback? And what segment can you learn the most from? Oh, as far as the opposing team or my team? 
Well, I mean, when you're on the sideline and you're looking at your own offense, but if you're looking at your own offense, would you look at the opponent's defensive backs or do you look at what uh, your wide receivers and what your quarterback is doing? So I mainly, um, you know, I watch what the defensive backs look like. Uh, if they're aggressive, if they're, uh, you know, kind of, you know, passive, or aggressive at the top of routes, aggressive at the line of scrimmage. Um, I look at how the defense disguise their uh, coverages, what the safeties like to do. Um, look at how they communicate, the cornerbacks, the safeties. And then I definitely look at the route combination of our receivers. You know, I see our receivers every day in practice, and I know those guys are good. So, you know, I don't too much have to watch them all the way. I kind of pay attention to the guys that's guarding them. Um, so that way when they come off the sideline, they ask me any question about uh, anything they could have did different. I give them my opinion. Or, you know, I ask them, okay, how did, you know, this guy play on you? Or what did you you think you could have did different on your route? So I kind of just, you know, I pay attention to both parties, receivers and defense. Hey, Javon, Sunday night on Bears game night live with Lawrence Creed, and you said that during Club Dub that you guys all brought out your sunglasses. Is this going to be the year of prop <laughs> Club Dub, or was it just a one-time <laughs> thing where you guys just had them and went with it? Nah, I – I think uh, I'm gonna go harder. I got my uh, I got my dirt bike goggles. I'm about to bring out for the next club uh, club dub. So I'm going hard this year for the win. Yeah, well, you know, you guys like to show your personality, and I, I know absolutely as a group, you guys were ticked off about how it all ended last year, and it just seems yeah. there's a lot of recommitment here. Uh, was it difficult to? stagger through three quarters and and even Matt Nagy called it frustration until the fourth quarter is that a learning lesson for this team here moving forward as well well you definitely would love to learn from wins versus losses and that's the most important thing that you know we got a uh, a one in a win column uh, this past week but uh yeah you know frustration kicks in but like I said you know we got a great group of guys you know we're all positive minded uh minded people we are um we're brothers we come together. We don't, uh, you know, we definitely don't divide, and we definitely don't. Uh, we believe in the next person, and I definitely, you know, once that fourth quarter hit, you can see it was just a light switch that turned on. And the offense, we complemented the defense, and the defense, defense complemented the offense, and special teams played well as well. So that was just a, a, a great quarter for the whole unit, the whole team. Well, it certainly was, and uh, we'll remember it, that's for sure, because division road wins, no matter fans or not, are a big deal. Hey, good luck on Sunday. Thanks for taking the time to join us. We'll talk to you down the road. Oh, thank you guys for having me. Javon Wims, our guest here on Bears All Access. That's going to wrap us up. Big time, a final thought. Make it quick. Man, I'm just looking for another W, another win. Exciting. Uh, I know no crowd in Soldier Field, but it doesn't really leave the excitement behind. We're looking forward to it. 9 a.m. pregame noon kickoff on WBBM on Sunday with Julio Rosseo. Our producers, Jordan Treadup and Dan Brilli. I'm Jeff Joniak with Tom Thayer. Thanks to Javon Wims. And thanks to you for listening. Thursday Night Football just ahead here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Good night. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on chicagobears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite.